Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I'm Michael Delgado here with you once again with Linda Case. If you did not check out our episode last week, please do go back and check out our interview with her. But we had so many questions we wanted to ask her that we had to have her do two episodes. And just to let you know a little bit about Linda Case. She got her bachelor's degree in animal science from Cornell University and then got her master's in canine and feline nutrition from the University of Illinois, where she taught the undergraduate program in companion animal science. She taught the companion animal behavior and training class at the College of Veterinary Medicine. She now blogs at The Science Dog, which is thesciencedog.com, where she also offers nutrition courses. She's a dog trainer. She's an author. We're bringing her here today to talk about dog food, and her new book is Feeding Smart with The Science Dog. Listen to the end of the podcast, and I will tell you how to enter a giveaway to win her new book, Feeding Smart with The Science Dog. All right, let's hop right back into that interview. Linda Case, thanks for being back with us. Let's just talk a little bit about research that goes into like developing pet food in the industry. People have a lot of questions, mistrust. We hear a lot about AFCO and the importance of feeding food that meets the AFCO requirements. Can you speak to the difference between the complete and balanced claim that is on a pet food bag or can versus an AFCO feeding trial? I think we don't see that on the labels as often, but they do happen, right? What does that mean? Yeah, you're right. We don't see it as much. So there are kind of three parts to think about. The complete and balanced claim is pretty much on every dog food. The only time you won't see it is on treats and on therapeutic foods that are designed for particular treatment or management. So all foods pretty much say complete and balanced nutrition. The, The second part is the life stage. So they'll usually either say for all life stages, which is really a puppy food, or they'll say for adult maintenance. And the third stage is the one you just mentioned, the feeding protocols or feeding trials. So that's what's called the substantiation of this complete and balanced claim. So either a food will say complete and balanced for whatever life stage, and then it'll say either formulated to meet AFCO nutrient profiles, and that's the formulation substantiation, or they will say past AFCO feeding trials or AFCO feeding protocols. And traditionally, people have been told, oh, only find foods that have used AFCO feeding protocols. Well, as you said, those are few and far between today. And in my view, as they should be, because if people really understood what an AFCO feeding trial meant, they'd realize it really doesn't tell us much. For foods to pass an AFCO feeding trial, it means that food has to be fed to eight dogs, eight dogs for six months, six months. Two of those dogs can fail the trial, so they may not do well. So only six dogs have to pass. All that has to happen is they have to maintain weight. They have to not lose more than 15% of their body weight, which is a substantial amount. And they have to show basically that a couple liver enzymes haven't increased and they've maintained their blood hemoglobin levels and packed cell volume levels. So these are minimal, minimal criteria for dog passing. And so it really doesn't give us much. You know, nutrient profiles, on the other hand, will show you that basically the food has been shown to contain nutrients at levels that meet or exceed what AFCO minimums are. 
And some might argue, well, yeah, but you could take an old boot, <laughs> an old boot with some motor oil and make it pass nutrient profiles, which is true. However, what people shouldn't assume is because a food says met nutrient profiles, after nutrient profiles, they shouldn't assume that means it hasn't been fed to dogs. Virtually all pet food companies are doing some type of feeding trial. Many of them are now doing what are called in-home feeding trials, which I'm a huge champion of, where they basically say, you know, let's see how these dogs do for a period of time and measure more things. So really we want both. We want nutrient profiles and feeding trials, but just seeing AFCO feeding trials as a substantiation claim really doesn't tell us much. So it's a differentiator that really is pretty meaningless. That's good to know. And so, I mean, we know pet food companies, the big, you know, few, and then there's a lot of smaller boutique companies or startups that are developing food for dogs. And so if they want to make sure their food meets the AFCO nutrient requirements, are they just given a list from AFCO and it's like, okay, make sure you like, do they have to hire a biochemist to analyze <laughs> the food? Or are they just like, well, we know the protein source has this much fiber and this much protein. And, you know, we're adding these vitamins or like the formulation, does AFCO make them verify that they do meet those standards? So they can either formulate it's called the calculation method on paper. So they can say, you know, I know that this ingredient contains this level of this nutrient. They actually are trained formulators. So usually they are biochemists <laughs> or nutritionists or food scientists. So they definitely have those chops. And so they formulate that to meet you know, on paper and say, this is what this food contains. They also must do, AFCO requires what's called a guaranteed analysis. And that's what you see on the panel. But it's still pretty minimal. You know, it's minimum protein, minimum fat, maximum moisture and fiber, but most pet food companies, you'll see a list of other nutrients and most reputable companies, including the small ones. In fact, I would say many of those offer more information. If you go to their websites, they will give you a complete analysis nutrient. It's usually called a complete nutrient analysis panel, and you'll see everything. That said, what I would recommend is to feed several reputable foods. You know, so even though we know multiple foods have met those guidelines, I would still not want to trust one company to be spot on all the time. So, you know, if you find several brands, several foods that you like, rotate them, blend them. You know, in our house, we're constantly feeding with four or five foods in addition to some homemade food. So just as a human diet, we're always recommended to feed a variety, consume a variety of foods, I would recommend the same for our dogs. They should all be complete and balanced, either nutrient profiles or feeding protocols, but feed a variety. Okay, great. So it seems like the AFCO feeding trial, like you said, not necessarily telling us a lot more. But like you said, I mean, we want to make sure that they did some level of like, like you said, in-home testing. So is that like they just find people to feed their dogs the food and like let us know how they did? Or <laughs> Yeah, some of the smaller companies that you mentioned, in fact, I've written about this in the book. I didn't identify the companies. I also wrote about it on the blog where I do identify the companies. Yeah, some of the companies, they will do in-home. Some universities, such as here at U of I, are doing in-home where they recruit vet students or animal sciences students to enroll their dogs. Now, keep in mind, these foods, we're not testing for toxicity. You know, these are safe foods. They just want to see how the dogs do on them. So they're well formulated. You know, you're not just turning your dog into an experimental animal. But usually what they do is they'll measure digestibility. So they'll collect feces. Oh. Yeah. Data. I like <laughs> that. Yeah. And they'll do more involved measures of health as well. So see a lot more of that. Again, I've written about it in the blog as well. But once the food's been formulated, you can be complete and balanced. 
and you know it's a reputable company and you have some idea that has ingredients that you're comfortable with, that it has processing you're comfortable with, find several of those and then either rotate and or blend those foods. Great. And of course, they probably test out the foods, make sure the dogs like them. Although I don't think dogs are quite as picky as cats can be. But. <laughs> no, definitely not. But <laughs> testing is a huge part of pet foods, especially for marketers. Sure, sure. So you've kind of hinted at some of this, but what would you say the most important things our listeners need to know about things like byproducts and supplements and pet food ingredients in general? That is a tough one. Yeah. In terms of ingredients, We don't get a lot of information. We should, but we don't. And again, I would argue that because we are told feed your dog a single food and that this food is complete and balanced nutrition for all that dog's lifespan, because we're given that advice, then it should follow that we should have more information about the quality of that food. And that doesn't necessarily follow. As I argue in the book and elsewhere, dogs and cats, companion animals are the only species that we make that claim for to feed one thing. You know, we don't exist from childhood to elderly on insured and a drink that gives us all the nutrients that we need. And I don't think anyone would argue that that's a healthful way to eat. Yet we seem to have kind of bought hook, line and sinker this idea that that's the best way to feed dogs. So that said, in my view, we need to know more about ingredients than we do. And one way to do that is through the distinction of human grade versus pet grade. The problem with that, even though the science on the human grade side is looking very good, is they tend to be very expensive, you know, and I think a lot of people, the price point is the deterrent, you know, which is totally understandable for many people. So what you can do in that case is maybe feed a little bit of a human, but in terms of ingredient quality, that distinction is showing itself to be quite important. And the other information that we have more and more good science about is the effects of processing. So a less highly processed ingredient is probably going to be of higher quality. It gets a little tricky there when you confound pet grade and human grade versus processing, because we're not sure which is more important, but I think both are things to pay attention to. So ingredients are tough. Supplements, the important thing to know about supplements is that they are completely unregulated. And they're unregulated in the human industry as well. That's just why CBD is such a huge thing because there's no regulation for it, you know? Yeah. And boy, don't get me going down that rabbit hole. Let's <laughs> do <laughs> another interview. Yeah, so any claim can be made. And it has to do with basically regulations in our country that went back to the early 1990s about human supplements. And that has been applied to dog supplements. So personally, other than making sure omega-3 fatty acids are at a good level in foods, I am not a proponent of any supplement. And then brands, the important thing is transparency. You know, if you have questions about your food, ask the manufacturer if they measure digestibility, if they do, what is it? What are the actual numbers? I give some guidelines on what those numbers should be in the books and on my blog. And really find companies that you trust. Great. All right, everyone, you are listening to the Good Dog Pod. We'll be right back. Make sure to visit the Good Dog merch store, which has tote bags, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. We hope you can proudly wear this merch not only in support of Good Dog, but in support of dog breeders everywhere, because together we're stronger. Plus, Good Dog Pod listeners get 15% off. Visit shop.gooddog.com today and use the code GDP15. 
We are back with Linda Case. We are going to be giving away a copy of her new book, Feeding Smart with Science Dog. I'll be telling you how to enter a giveaway at the end of the podcast. So stick around. We've just got a few more questions with Linda Case. Really appreciate her answering so many questions about dog food. And I think maybe as we start concluding our talk, the big elephant in the room is really like how important is the type of food that people feed for their dog's health. So you've got the wet food or the canned food, you've got the dry kibbles, you've got raw diets, we've got homemade fresh companies that are making fresh and delivering to your door. And you've hinted at the effect of processing. So I have a suspicion about <laughs> how you might answer this question. But yeah, how important is it to our dog's health? And how can we tell? Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. So I think that it's very important. Like I think most people would agree, most scientists and nutritionists would agree. The difficulty is teasing out what part of a diet or what, you know, what level, how important processing is, how important nutrient level is, how important excess nutrients are. I talk about that in the book. There's more and more focus on too many nutrients, you know, too much. Certainly we know we are providing too many calories to a lot of dogs because obesity is an enormous problem. Not to use that as a pun, but it is in our dogs. There's some evidence that copper levels may be too high in some foods. So excess nutrition is is an issue also. So yeah, I would say it's very important. And again, that's why I always go back to the added same advice we have for our own diets is variety of healthful foods. And so if price points an issue, try and find the most healthful food and the best company within your price point. If you can mix in some less highly processed foods, go with a moderately cooked, or if you are a raw advocate, a raw food that has been guaranteed to be HPP processed so you know that it's safe in terms of microbes. And again, not to keep beating this drum, but find a few foods and mix them because I think it is important for our dog's long-term health. Yeah. And for people who want to try making their own dog's food, do you have any resources you recommend for that? Should they really just be working with a veterinary nutritionist or is that overkill? Yeah, they're actually, and I think I recommend them on the blog. I'm not sure if I recommend them in the book or not. And we certainly do through our courses. There are several nutritionists, one's a veterinary nutritionist, the other's um, PhD nutritionists, who have online services that provide for a fee, of course, recipes to people. So, you know, it's a one-time fee then. I would still recommend getting several recipes just as we wouldn't have one recipe for ourselves. And what we do in our home is we have several recipes and we probably feed about a quarter of food to our dogs as a homemade and we mix it in with other foods that we like and, and think are helpful for our dogs. So yeah, I would look for online. I'm pretty sure I have them on the blog and I think I may have put in the mid book as well. Okay. Yeah. I'm familiar with like balance it. And obviously oh, veterinary yeah. nutritionists, okay, yeah. And veterinary nutritionists will help people develop diets for their dogs yep. too. But like you said, it seems like the common theme is variety is the spice of life for your dog's <laughs> diet. And so for a new dog owner who's at the pet store, overwhelmed, there's like so many choices. What's your number one recommendation on how to get started? Yeah. Again, I guess I would say do a little bit of research. You know, you don't have to get a PhD in nutrition to do that, but do a little research on companies, you know, going to a company's website and asking a few questions about ingredient source. For some folks, I talk about this in Dog Food Logic, local sources is important just from a global aspect. Animal welfare is important too, so they'd like to know where the animals were raised or where they were sourced. And for some, you know, things such as transparency in the company, do they provide 
answers their questions. So, you know, just do a little bit of research to find out if you're comfortable with that company and with the products and then choose from there. Do you have any thoughts on insect-based protein as the future of pet food? Oh, I do. I'm actually very excited about it. There's quite a bit of research that shows that it's, they're basically, as you probably know, sustainable, which is huge because even though I'm an advocate for human grade, because the research is there showing that it's good, no one can argue that our current animal production sources are sustainable. And so insect protein, both for humans and for animals, is a growing field. There's really good research showing they're at least comparable at this point to the kibbles we feed. I'm hoping personally that because I would assume the processing doesn't have to be as dramatic, you know, because of the processing we have to do to animal source protein meals, that we might see less protein damage to them as well. I haven't seen any research yet to show that, but the research that is available shows that dogs accept it. Of course they do, you know, <laughs> dogs lead almost anything. In training, I use a lot of insect-based training treats and my guys, they love them to the same degree that they love, you know, freeze-dried liver treats. So I think it's a booming field. I think it's one we have to watch very closely. And there is a chapter about that in the book. Nice. Very nice. Okay. Just to wrap up, if you could be any breed of dog, what breed would you choose? <laughs> well, I've always had sporting breeds and I like to think I'm a fairly positive person. So my toller is one of the most cheerful little guys I've ever met. And so are my golden. So I'd probably be a toller or a golden. <laughs> then I get to swim a lot too, which is nice. <laughs> okay. And can you tell us about your own pets? Sure. We currently have three dogs. We nice. have, I don't know if you can see, they're all on the couch behind me. Cooper is a 10-year-old golden. Alice, who is six. And then our toller is our youngest. He just turned three and it, that's Stanley. And then we have Pete the cat. And Pete is a cat person. You'll appreciate this. He was formerly feral and we actually live out in the country. So we did trap neuter release thinking we want to make sure he's at least taken care of. And once he was trap neuter released, he said, I'd like to give living inside a try. He's <laughs> <laughs> turned into the most amazing, one of the best cats we ever had. So. Oh, nice. And he gets along with the dogs. He does. He actually loves dogs. Yeah. He's a very odd bird because once he decided he was a house cat, he kind of left his wild side behind. Can't blame him to live with Linda Case. Okay, Linda, well, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you online? Sure. And thank you for inviting me, Michael. Oh, I see your kitty there. <laughs> she loves Zoom calls. <laughs> ScienceDog.com is my blog site, and there are tabs there for links to our courses and also links to my books. So that's probably the easiest way. It's ScienceDog.com. Great. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our interview with Linda Case. I learned a lot. I'm really excited and stick around. I'll be giving away those details on getting a copy of her new book. So keep listening. Thank you, Linda. And we'll see you next week on the Good Dog Pod. Thank you, Micah. All right. Once again, we are giving away a free copy of Linda Case's book, Feeding Smart with a Science Dog. You can enter the giveaway at goodbreedercenter.typeform.com forward slash feeding smart. Or just check out the show notes and you will find the link to enter this giveaway, which will run until this Sunday, March 20th at midnight Eastern. You don't want to miss out. So make sure you go to that link and enter to win. We'll be announcing the winners the following week. 